Welcome back to another episode of Pandemic Exposure, where we take a look at some of the things which this COVID-19 pandemic might be exposing about what our culture believes and values and how that's working for us. Last week, we looked at uncertainty, how a lot of our certainty and security has gone up in the air, yet we've been programmed to know what's going to happen and when by the culture around us and how we can live in such a time of uncertainty without worry but with peace. This week we're going to look at a huge topic which is so challenging for me which is hurry. Just thinking about the pace at which we tend to live our lives and the effect that that might have on us and what we might be realising about that now that many of us have been forced to slow down, less to do. Again, I'm sat here in my room with a cup of coffee on a Wednesday morning or whenever you're listening and hoping to just shine some light on this topic which has challenged me and a lot of other people I know recently and I think is really relevant for where a lot of us are at at the moment. There are two words which spring to mind when I think about the pace with which we live our lives. Hustle and hurry. Hustle has the positive connotations of productivity and efficiency. Hurry reeks of bad time management, stress and overwork. But both of them are inbuilt into our days, our schedules and mindsets. It's our way of living. Think about it. When was the last time you just did one thing? Just ate breakfast without reading the news as well. Just watched TV without second screening or eating at the same time. Just did your work without putting on a music for focus playlist. We've become pros at multitasking. We want to get more done in the same space of time. Then there's our obsession with super fast online delivery, our love for the microwave meal and fast food, and the popularity of instant coffee, which I do not fully understand. And finally, a shout out to those impatient drivers, fast eaters, and those of us who watch YouTube videos at 1.5 times speed. We love fast, quick, because we can't wait. We've got no time to lose. And yet these past few weeks may have looked a little different. Plans cancelled, more free time, and so, less hurry. But what's this hurry doing to us anyway? Well, on a psychological level, there is the hurry sickness, defined as a behaviour pattern characterised by continual rushing and anxiousness, an overwhelming and continual sense of urgency. The anxiousness, I need to do this. The urgency, I need to do this now. The rushing, I need to do this quickly so I can do something else afterwards. On a biological level, our bodies have the functions of stress and anxiety as tools to help us out of dangerous or threatening situations, like running over to help a child or confronting a threat. Increased heart rate, augmented focus and muscle tension is a short-term mechanism for getting us out of a pickle for the sake of our long-term well-being. But our bodies weren't able to maintain this state for any sustained period of time. Cue burnout, exhaustion, emotional meltdown. We can't handle it because we weren't built to. But it's also taking its toll on a heart level, our personality, our relational and emotional health. 
best-selling author and pastor John Ortberg remarks, Harry isn't just a disordered schedule, it's a disordered heart. What does Harry do for our friendships and relationships? When I would think about the kind of person who never has a day plan, who just takes life at an easy pace, who just gets things done when they get them done, I used to think they were wasting time. But then when I think of the people I know who are the most considerate, the most likely to be able to do me a favour when I need it, or who will ask and listen to how my day's going, it's the same sort of people. Researcher and author Dr Richard Swenson, in his best-selling book Margin, defines the concept as the space between your load and your limit. The power of margin is to be able to love others, to be available. It's the friend who hasn't blocked out every hour in their day who can give you an emergency lift or offer to cook you dinner. It's the family member who isn't already rushing off somewhere else who can interact with you as you make your lunch or even make it for you. It's the friend who's left margin in their day who can pick up the phone when you call spontaneously. We think we've hacked the system with our multitasking, our queue-hopping, and our meticulous time-scheduling. We know that we all have the same number of hours in a day, so we've worked out these ways to get more done in the same time, and so we create free time. Except the time isn't free. We've paid for it. We've paid for it in fatigue and burnout. We've paid for it in increased stress and anxiety levels. We've paid for it in loss of depth of relationship when we've been too busy for others and have failed to love them well. It's all too easy in this day and age to see Hurry as our friend, but it's a far greater enemy. And yet, I know why there's this backlash to the idea of slowing down. For me at least, I love to be efficient, to make the most of my time, and to say yes to exciting opportunities. I'd hate to get to the end of the day not knowing what I'd really achieved or even tried to achieve. The question I have to ask myself here is, why am I working, rushing, filling my days? Is it truly because I want to or because I need to? Hurry for so many of us is a way out. It's easier not to have to deal with our own thoughts sometimes to just stop and think about someone else. We don't have to ask ourselves, am I content? Am I loving my friends and family members? Or am I even worth loving? If we can just cover it up with feeling good about ourselves because we've worked X number of hours and ticked Y things off our to-do list. Productivity and efficiency have become a kind of worth indicator. We're more fixated on the calorie counting than the taste of the food. The Strava stats than the enjoyment of the run. Guilty. The number of Instagram likes and comments than the joy of sharing the moment in the first place. It's like we're becoming more machine-like, like our purpose is output, efficiency, stats. To quote Tristan Harris, former Google employee and founder of the Center for Humane Technology, our technology is downgrading our humanity. More and more we've started asking ourselves questions like, am I doing enough? And what have I achieved this week? And actually tying our answers to those questions, to how we feel about ourselves, about our lives, and about how they're going. It's hard to sit alone with ourselves, confront our deepest unmet desires, 
and process them to see who we really are at our core without all the hurry and hustle around us. But just because we don't acknowledge them doesn't mean that they go away. Unless we process, take the time to identify these things, we can't move past them. And most significantly, we can't look beyond ourselves to others in love. So what do we do with our problem of hurry? Firstly, we need to slow down, plan less and do each thing better, slower and with more room for love. Try consciously choosing to take longer doing things, choosing a longer line at a checkout or a slower lane on the roads. Try choosing to do one thing at a time. Say yes to simplicity. Make your default answer to new commitments no and evaluate from there. Carve out some margin in your schedule for interruptions, for other people and just for rest. Finally, get alone. Solitude is something that's actually about not doing something. Learning to just be alone with your thoughts and alone with God. We do well to look at the way of Jesus, by far the most loving person in human history, if historical documents are anything to go by. Jesus continually would choose to go and be alone at seemingly pivotal moments when you'd think he would want people around him and to share in the gravity of that moment with others. Instead, well, after his baptism, when God speaks from the clouds and says to him, you are my son whom I love, in you I am well pleased. He has this affirmation from God, and instead of kickstarting his ministry, he just goes into the desert alone for 40 days, before being taken away to be crucified. He withdraws to spend time alone in prayer to God. The Gospel writer Mark writes this about Jesus. Rising very early in the morning, whilst it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. All this time alone, and for what benefit? Well, Jesus always seems to have time for people who need him. When a religious leader, Jairus, whose daughter is dying, begs him to come, he agrees to go and see the girl and heals her. When some friends who bring a man who cannot walk to Jesus, lowering him through the roof whilst he's in the middle of teaching, he pauses his teaching and tells the man to get up and walk, and he does. Jesus lived his life at a pace at which he had time for the people who needed him. He also had an acute ability to notice. Zacchaeus, a small man, a tax collector hated by society, was hiding up a tree where he could just listen to and see Jesus. Jesus notices him, arranges to meet up with him, and his life is then changed forever. A woman who had been bleeding for many years was a societal outcast, it tries to just touch Jesus in a crowd of people. Jesus notices her, feels her touch him, and sends her on her way in love, since she's been healed by the touching of his cloak. Jesus lived life at a pace at which he could notice the people who needed him. And you're probably thinking, yeah, these people's lives were changed by a man who could instantly heal people, a man who had the words of eternal life a man who was God. But they were also done by the same man who spent time alone, who made time for other people, was aware of other people, and had the capacity, mental and emotional, 
to notice the people who needed him, people who needed healing, people who needed love. He could love them because his life, his mindset, was unhurried. He could be attentive to the thing in front of him. Jesus was a person of love. In fact, he was love in the flesh since God is love and Jesus was the incarnation of God on earth. And he made us in his image and wants to make us increasingly like him if we will slow down and allow him. Is my life about maximizing productivity and efficiency? Am I behaving like a machine crunching task after task after task, focusing on output? Or is my life about embracing the full extent of my humanity, who God created me to be, a human being capable of love? I wonder if engaging in some of these practices of slowing might help us to become less people of hurry and more people of love, the way Jesus was and made us to be. Thanks for listening this week. Hopefully that was a helpful look at what this culture of hurry is doing to us and how we can resist that. If you know me well, you'll know that I am far from living the unhurried life. I often don't leave time for other people or even for myself but I'm hugely convicted, hugely challenged that my life is, is too hurried and there's changes I'm going to need to make if I'm going to be more a person of love like Jesus was. If you'd like to read up on hurry more, I can really recommend John Mark Comer's writing and teaching on hurry from the Bridgetown Audio podcast and his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Jefferson Bethke has also written a really helpful book called To Hell With The Hustle, laying down the problem and providing some lived out ways to combat this hurried way that we live our lives. And if you want a podcast to stop you dead in your tracks on your daily walk, then also they have a podcast together where they just vibe off of each other's ideas. It's called Fight, Hustle, End Hurry. It's well worth checking out. I'll be back with two more episodes next Wednesday and the one after. If you've enjoyed this, feel free to subscribe or share it with your friends. Have a good week.